Hey, my friends, welcome to Word Made Digital. This is season four, episode 13. And as always, I'm your host, Joanna LaFleur. Today on the show, we have Darren Roundsen. Do you know him? He's the pastor of Garden Church in Southern California, and he's a founder of something called Digital Church. That title may sound familiar. It's a phrase that I use in my work a lot. And uh, we're talking about discipleship around the world and what's been going on in his church community through um, through the COVID thing and how there's these groups popping up. And you're going to love the conversation. We're talking about resilient disciples in the digital age. Hey, speaking of digital church, would love for you to join that Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash we're made digital. But all to say, just go to Facebook and write in digital church. You're going to find us or the link in the show notes. You're going to find us. Coming up with our partners at Compassion, I don't want you to miss this, Unite to Fight Poverty. It's a it's going to be a collaboration between World Vision, Food for the Hungry, Compassion in both Canada and the U.S. And it's bringing an amazing lineup of people, Toby Mac and Hillsong Worship and For King and Country and Kirk Franklin and Michael Dewey Smith and Cece Williams and Bill Wickham and we got Sadie Robertson and we've got Carlos Witt and Amy Grant and Tori Kelly and Ren Collette. Oh my gosh, there's just like line up. Bishop T.D. Jakes even, he's there. Uh, You're going to love this concert. For the first time ever, these groups are, these organizations are teaming up because this thing is is bigger than any one organization. COVID-19 has just blown up 2020 around the world and uh, is, is really a serious situation for millions of people. They're expecting actually half a billion more people are at risk now being pushed into extreme poverty because of COVID-19 than have ever been there before. So we need to unite and stand together. This is a free event, a two-hour event that's coming up on August 28th, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. If you're Eastern, what does that mean? At 5.30 on the West Coast. So I don't want you to miss this event. We're going to link everything in the show notes so you can find it and you can tune in for free online at compassion.ca and you can go to the Compassion's Facebook page. It's going to be there and we don't want you to miss it. Thanks also to Wycliffe College, who is a sponsor on this podcast and a partner as I was sitting on my professor's dock the other day uh, at the cottage. I learned that this is their largest entry year, maybe ever. I know she said it was either ever or definitely in a long, long time. So I'd like to think that this podcast and you as listeners might have something to do with that. I'm so pumped for people who are learning and growing as leaders and as disciples through Wick of College. It made a huge impact in my life and I know it would for you too. You can do it online. You can do it affordably and flexibly, full-time, part-time course or a certificate or a full program, master's, doctorate, whatever you need. They got it. Uh, And I'm better for being there. I think you would be as well if you were to go. Check out the link in the show notes, wickliffecollege.ca slash digital. Okay. And now my conversation with Darren Roundson. Welcome to the Word Made Digital podcast with Joanna LaFleur. You're listening to season four, sponsored by Compassion Canada and Wycliffe College. Word Made Digital brings you interviews with Christian creatives and communicators to inspire, challenge, and equip you in your own work. The church has the best news in the world, so we want to help you be the best communicators in the world. Here we go. Darren Roundsen, welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm so glad to get to know you over this podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to hang out. Um, yeah, it does feel like we're hanging out. This is how everybody's hanging out these days. This, this is the only way to hang out <laughs> right now. <laughs> 
it, we're, we're, I'm talking to you, my new friend, and I'm talking to my mom and everybody I work with this way. So I, <laughs> yeah. can you tell us who are you? Give us some context of your yep. life and ministry. Great. Yep. My name is Darren Roundson. I am the lead pastor of Garden Church. I'm married. It'll be 13 years next month. Uh, my wife is Alex, and I have a six-year-old boy, Ezra, and a two-year-old boy who's almost three, Amos. Um, we live in Long Beach, California, so Southern California. Um, and we started a church in downtown Long Beach in really in 2008, uh, officially in 2009. We launched it, and we've been doing that for the last 11 years, just leading faithfully um, as a very much like intentionally missional, uh, organized around like house churches, uh, as well as very much a spirit-filled church. Like that journey of uh, pursuing the spirit has been a testimony of what we've been about. Uh, and that's what we've been doing. So our, our, I lead that. I have a team now, a much larger staff. Our church has grown and we're doing everything online currently in this situation. So a lot of my life has changed um, over the last seven, eight weeks. But that's a little bit about me. I love surfing. I love um, good coffee. And that's my context. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I mean, people, um, if they're just doing, if they're just listening to this, they won't know you, you look quite young. So saying you've had the church this long, you must have started when you were like 15 uh, years old or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. It, it, I am 35 and I started um, planting when I was technically 23, but like 24 is when my, my wife and I were married for about a year, 24 and 23 years old. Uh, I had never preached outside of a classroom and outside of getting a grade for preaching before I became a lead pastor. And it was my wife and I and one other person. We just kind of jumped into downtown, which is a very urban city in Southern California. And at the time, it was the second most diverse city in the United States. It's now the sixth. And uh, we came from Orange County and specifically Newport Beach, which is like beautiful, predominantly one ethnicity to a very different setting. And it has been the greatest gift and journey. And I think the city has taught us more about, um, the, the church and the gospel than, and, and then, you know, seminary or, you know, school did. So, well, let's talk about that too, because this is classic thing. Like I have a friend who, who runs an, or, um, a website called Unseminary. All the things that you didn't learn in seminary that you need to know. Yeah. So you're you're coming like pretty young into lead pastor, church planter. Like yeah. I mean, I'm I we're a, we're pretty close in age. So I think back to that age of my own life and all the mistakes. Are you glad that you did it at that time? Like if you were talking to a 22 uh, year old, what would you say to yeah. them today about should they be yes. a church planner? <laughs> I say I don't wish church planning on anyone. Um, but I say that with context. The context would be, I was I was a part of a mega church, Rock Harbor Church in Costa Mesa, and at the time it was five thousand plus. It was huge. It was very you know traditional mega church, and I went from a staff of one hundred and ten people to leading a church of three, you know, essentially. And I went from setting up chairs and emails and like everything's individual and like customized to doing everything from preaching to emails to set up and tear down to getting coffee um, for the gatherings. And I was so young and immature and not grounded in my identity. And I was, I'm an Enneagram three. So my personality is I have to succeed. I'm afraid of failure. That's, you know, the three type. And it, it cost a lot. It, it was a hard 
season. I don't like, so I learned a lot by failure and I, and that's great. I learned how not to do things. Um, but I think looking back, I would say to anyone that wants to plant a church, look for spiritual authority, take your time, tuck in somewhere where you can grow under a covering and be supported and, and, and learn how to do things, um, in a, in a way that's honoring and safe. And then when you feel called to be released, go with that relationship, those, that covering and that support. I didn't have that. And so it was very challenging, but I look at it going, I'm so glad we experienced it. I know what I know now. God has used all things for his good. So (laughs) that's where I'm at now. Yeah. I think that's often a lot of us probably say that about our younger self. Like there's stuff that you can kind of uh, you cringe at maybe about your younger self, uh, you know, just things we, we did in immaturity or lack of identity perhaps. Uh, but then there's, it's like the greatest school too. Like how else do you yes. learn unless you do yeah. it? And, and I think some older leaders are so, he- cause they see what we are, we are getting older and we, you start to see it, but yes. like, so do you, like when you see these younger leaders in your own church now, um, are you like, I remember when I was your age? Like, do you feel like the old yeah, man passing on? Yeah, it feels authority? like that. Yeah. I have a bunch of staff that's like 22, 25. And I'm like, gosh, I, I would never send them out to plant a church right now. And then I'm like, gosh, bless the church that sent us because we we were entrusted with this thing. But I'm also going, I believe that you have what it takes. I see it. I want to help you, inform you, and empower you, and release you, and watch you as you fail, and comfort you when you're, you're hurt, and then release you again. Um, so my whole mindset of multiplication and raising up other leaders, that I mean, that is the mission. For me personally, I have this passion right now to reach the Gen Z and younger. Like I, I, I actually, this last year, I did, uh, this is perfect for you. I did, um, I finished 2018 traveling all over, teaching all over. And I did this last kind of thing in, in San Francisco. I spent 10 days there at a big church and um, talking about the ministry of the spirit. And I finished this great year of travel going, hearing the Lord say, I want you to go into the desert. And specifically, he's like, I want you to create a digital desert. And so going into 2019, I got off all social media. I created all these rules of life and boundaries around technology. And I didn't, I turned down all these speaking opportunities and I just taught at the local church. And I just stayed with my family and my community. And it was so life-giving. And it was in this time that I realized that um, that relationship is key and uh, forming um, your your community and giving to your community was essential. And uh, I look at what, uh, sorry, and, and what I heard the Lord say in this season was um, for the next generation, it was build a church that your children don't have to heal from. And what would it look like for you to give to the next generation everything so that they can stand on your shoulders and take it from there? So it was like, prepare to give everything away to the next generation. And I feel like I was given a lot from the church that sent me, um, but I want to do that. I want to be able to hand over as much as I can to the next generation early um, in, in having a mindset that their sons and daughters will become fathers and mothers. And so... Yeah, I think we have to be looking for the next generation, but at the same time, I don't want them to experience all the pain. I want to help them, you know, as much as I can. So yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, the whole conversation—the reason we wanted to have the conversation today was really circling around discipleship, and particularly discipleship in the digital age. Um, but before yeah. we get there, the curiosity I had was the name of your church. Yeah, Garden Church. Garden. What's Garden the church. What's the vision or the context of that? 
when we were having to come up with a name, we were like this thing called the Long Beach Project. We were a ministry of another church that before we became a church plant. And um, my my I love the phrases of Isaiah 58 about being a well-watered garden. So Isaiah 58 became like this defining verse for us. It's about what true worship or true fasting looks like, about caring for the poor um, and rebuilding, you know, the ancient ruins and repairing the city. Um, and raising up foundations for future generations, but it says you'll be a well-watered garden. So that that's kind of been you know a metaphor for for our our church, but also the imagery of garden in Genesis, you know, and the garden city in Revelation. So we just we just felt like that name became like you know a parable of the type of ministry we would have, and it's been great. It's been a good it's been a good name, very yeah, fitting for I, our I mean, community. I like it. Um, and I mean, right now there's the elevation song "Graves into Gardens." I think that's what yeah. it's called. That's the line yeah. in it, anyways. I'm sure it's like it's perfect. when this song just, came out, you're like, "Yes, yeah. this is our song." Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. So you're a pastor living in a pandemic context, like so yeah. many are right now, um, and and you know, day by day, week by week the rules are changing in each, each city and an area of the world has different rules about what that even means. And, um, you know, so people are listening in different contexts, but you're talking about this well-watered garden. So what does it look like as a pastor gardening, watering, tending to the garden, uh, internet? What's, what's this doubt like for you guys? Well, I think, um, so for, for me personally, like we have a high value of incarnational ministry, like just the embodiment of, of the word became flesh, like the word became flesh and we need to embody the word of God and incarnate in our lives and be together in, in person and, and embody community. And, you know, so we have had this hesitation for a season for a while of engaging in the online world. Um, but we, you know, we do podcasts and we do video recording and we have social media and all those things. But it's interesting because for us, I had this time in January where I, I really felt the Lord say, pay attention to coronavirus, what's happening in China, it's going to affect you. So, I mean, I don't know what your listeners are used to, but like I, I had like prophetic sense that this was going to disrupt things. So personally, we prepared a home, we got our emergency kit, we got everything prepped. And then in February, I felt like this real pressing, like we need to be able to take our church online. So I have emails to our team, hey, research streaming and what we're going to need to do to take things to the online world. So we prepped for weeks in advance. Wow. And then the week before everything shut down, it w- we had this conference and I felt like very strongly Monday morning, my wife and I were talking, we're like, we need to call the staff in. So we called them back on Wednesday and we said, we, make, we made a decision Wednesday to not do church on Sunday before Gavin Newsom, our governor made an announcement before things shut down. We just had the sense that this is where it's going to go. And so we recorded a video. We sent it out to our community, told them what we felt the Lord was doing. The next day, our governor shuts it down. We get a call from the school we made, and we can't meet there. We had done all this in advance. And so I just felt like that was providence. God was preparing us. And it, and we, we also created what we call a crisis care team to care for the needs of our city. Half a million people live in Long Beach. And one out of five are in poverty, below the federal poverty line. So we just said, let's... Let's organize our church around what will become needs. We didn't have it yet, but we did. And so as a pastor, I think multiple things. I think, what does it mean to tend? What does it mean to care for our church? So we have a, a community 
um, that has been, we've always done house churches for the last four years. We've done or, organized around house churches. So it's, it's about, been organized. Can you say more about that too? When you say house church, is that what I would call a small group, a connect group or? Yeah. Is- so that's, yeah. So I would say for us, a house church would be an environment, um, uh, for discipleship and living out the values of the kingdom of God. And I would say, if your small group is where leaders have been trained to pastor people, to teach the scriptures, to cultivate room and space for hearing God's voice and obeying and practicing the gifts, for sharing financial needs. So we want to make sure there are no needs among us. If you say small group that looks like the New Testament church, then yeah, that's what it is. And for us, we just wanted to recognize that small groups are often like an addition thing, not the essential. But for us, living in authentic community requires um, relationship. It can't be just done on, you know, online watching content. It has to be worked out with people in meaningful relationships. And so we've, we, um, we're friends, yeah, with a, a leader in a church who, uh, Francis Chan, who helped us convert our, move our church in that direction, 2017, 2018. And so pastoring looks like caring for the leadership, caring for, um, the pastors that are pastoring our church. But, uh, the digital space has become really interesting because, we felt like our house churches are 25 people often or more. They're like small churches, you know, and we felt like we knew before that was uh, the, the government was going to close down house gatherings. We, we, we actually said, let's move everything to Zoom. And so we launched something called Digital Communities. And at the same time, we took this we took on this space called DigitalChurch.Live. Where we just felt like there's a ton of people listening to our our podcasts that are interested in our community that have traveled, you know, from, from different places or moved from Long Beach to other cities. And we thought, Hey, this is a time where they can connect around the message of, of the garden, which is the gospel. And, um, maybe even the way that we have done church, which embodies a particular set of values. And we want to provide an outlet for them to connect in groups now. So we open digital communities. We have people that are in these communities in different cities around the world, um, that are oh, connected wow. to our church. So, so it's been a really interesting thing. So the moment we, we go into physical isolation, all of a sudden we've just expanded our church. And now there's this widespread of digital communities popping up who are people who value what we're doing and have been journeying with us from the podcast, but are now like, hey, we want to be we want to belong to this way that you're doing things. So our whole world's changed overnight digitally. And it is definitely hard. We don't really know where it's going fully. But there's a lot of life in it. We feel like it's just growing and expanding, oddly enough. I don't know if that answers your question, actually. No, so. <laughs> I mean, it's, no it's good. It's good. I mean, what you're saying is it sounds like, um, you know, the running joke in a lot of the memes right now with people with the, sort of who lean towards prophetic gifting, spirit led churches is like <laughs> whoever said 2020 was your, you know, who were the prophets who said 2020 was your year? Like they don't know what they're talking about. This is a terrible right. year. I mean, yeah. I'm paraphrasing the gist is like teasing people who had, um, who, who talk about prophecy or yeah. an ability to discern before things are happening but like it was all wrong for 2020 is sort of the joke. Right. But um, what I'm hearing you say is that there was a spiritual sense of the shift. God was pointing you to pay attention to this. And you were actually getting ready before you had yeah. to as a, as yeah. a leadership team. Um, yeah. You know, I'm sure it was still chaos in some way, like not maybe chaos is in the Oh, room. yeah. Uh, you know, you're learning yeah. as you go. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, and let me say this. It's interesting because in Jan, um, last year, we, we, we run a ministry from July to June, like a ministry budget. And we do ministry planning. We have, you know, 15 staff member. We write plans and budgets every year to look at where we're going. And this year in like in this November, December, and then the beginning of January, we felt a consensus among our team. We're not going to plan this year, which we've never done for 11, 10, 11 years. We feel like God say, this is a Selah, like a divine pause. Huh. Don't plan. And so, which we've never done. We're like, okay, we'll trust you. And we would be in the middle of planning for the next year when COVID hit. So the fact that we weren't doing that, that was, that was providence. That was God preparing, like just preparing our hearts. Um, but yeah, we, you know, so the week before everything shut down, we had got, we turned, we, we rewrote job descriptions we, we, t- cause we knew we weren't going to have people meeting on Sundays. We're like, we just, we just shifted everything to let's make it about preparing curriculum and online training to practice formation, the Christ likeness. So small group family, we started writing family formation stuff. How do families disciple the, their children in this time? Um, we started doing kids videos midweek immediately. Um, we, we organized people around a crisis care team. So we moved staff members who had hours to, to organize the, uh, and assess the needs of the community. Our church helped open five emergency, uh, shelters for homeless people, um, and families and individuals. And we b- began to provide so pr- for them. And then we were in taking needs in, and some of our, our people are, are emergency healthcare professionals in the hospitals in Long Beach. And they're like, hey, you know, when we do the night shifts, we, we don't get any food. We don't, nothing's open. So we said, that's not okay. Let's get our church around it. So we've been providing daily um, or uh, meals for the emergency healthcare professionals in the two main uh, hospitals in our city, every, you know, at night. So we just drop, you know, we're doing, we're doing, we just began to respond to the need. And I think not having to like have a, a shift of should we go to digital or not, which is a lot of churches were having that debate. Like, is this the church? How long is it going to last? We just felt this is going to be a thing. Let's move and let's be missional and let's be intentional. And that has really paid off for us. It's really helped us meet the needs and just continue to be who we are just in a different way. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm hearing you say there's this digital reality that you're pivoting to, but you're not losing uh, analog for lack of a better term. Like you're, you're giving food yeah. to people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yes. yes. They're, they're kind of acting in parallel with each other. How is, how is digital changed or this digital reality, the shift changed the way you're thinking about church? Yeah. Well, one, I don't think, so everyone wants to know what does the future look like and um, what is the future church? In fact, I did a series in, September called present future church. And it's so applicable because I'm like, we were calling things out, not knowing, but, and, and the word that I had for 2020 was resilient. So we we're learning resilience right now. I think the future is going to look like we're going to have to blend hybrid in-person gatherings at some point, maybe not even until 2021, um, and digital online gatherings. I, I think the church needs to move away from being, seeing this as, as a side thing to being a way that people will engage in church in the future. Look, I don't want to argue whether you're, you know, morally, if it has to be in person, like there are things that we do in gatherings that are really beautiful. We do ministry time. We, we lay hands on people. We pray for the sick and we pray for healing that stuff. We're also doing in our virtual prayer room. So we, 
we do our online services. And at the end, we used to call people forward to get ministry in prayer. Instead, they go online, they click a Zoom link that sends them to a waiting room and connects them to um, a person who's going to pray for them in, in a Zoom setting. So yeah. we're, we're still doing that through the digital, you know, through the digital tool. And so I think that the future is going to be people will do churches in their homes with family and friends through watching an online stream, um, because I think there's going to be a psycho- psychological hindrance to what COVID's doing for people feeling comfortable to gather again. I also think um, just the the uh, the way our church has been designed around house churches, it will be will be both. We'll get we'll get back to gatherings in public, but we'll also provide an online serve online stream where people can gather in homes. I just think that it's going to be the future personally. I think that's going to, what it's, what it's going to look like. Yeah. And I mean, I'm curious too, what you're seeing as the limitations of digital. I think we're getting clearer and clearer because when all you have is digital, I think before we were seeing the theory of, well, digital can't do X, Y, Z, but I think now we're seeing more clearly what we know it can or cannot replicate, replicate, replace, mirror, whatever the word would be. What are, what are you seeing that it's doing really well for your community and where are yeah. the gaps? Um, great. These are great questions. I think one, the things that are doing, what's interesting is our digital communities moving from house churches to digital communities right now that, that like online FaceTime zoom group settings is making it very intentional. People are more engaged in discipleship. My digital community I have people saying I've never felt more discipled in my life. And because I, you know, this space is, you don't have the, you don't have the nuances or the space for what I also miss the small talk, the, the embodied gathering, like the nuances that you pick up from physical, you know, um, communication. You have like these blank screens where people like can only push like a thumbs up, you know, or, uh, so there, like, is it, anyone there, listening oh, to my main point? <laughs> so, so that that's the hard piece where I feel like leading meetings and leading a church this way is very challenging to like feel. I'm a feeler, my my staff and my elders and my team. But I do think there's an intentionality. There's an incredible convenience for life stage people. Like, so I represent families with small kids, six and two year old. We have been more connected than ever before to our friends and to our families that live in different parts of the world. We're, we're Zooming every, which is now a verb, uh, every week with my family and their kids. And we weren't doing that. We, we would go months without seeing each other. You know, we'd talk here and there. But there's just an intention that like there's the convenience of being in your home to, and, and having this connection is, is off the charts. So I know for, for, some, for us, you would have to get babysitters to participate in a small group or a house church that, you know, it's, it's, it's expensive. It's costly. There's so many different things that, that add to it, but now it just makes it the actual meat and potatoes of getting together and talking about the scriptures, praying for each other. It really does make it very convenient. So that's a bonus. Um, I do miss the in-person gatherings in the, the flesh, the eating meals together. I miss that, that like very earthy thing that makes it very human. Um, but I do see the advantages of, of this. I think, you know, for a lot of churches, what I'm hearing from my friends who are part, in different parts of the world, in some ways, by forcing it to go online, their their reach has gone global. You know, I have friends that are, you know, have tens of thousands of people now listening 
to sermons and experiencing church that want to be a part of their church in Portland or in New York um, that have always kind of followed from podcasts, but now they're like, this is my church. And I know that people are wrestling with what that means, um, especially being so contextual. Yeah, as leaders, so, right? Like, yeah. Oh, is that yeah. okay? Can you, yes. is it okay for, for a person who wouldn't, you know, in Canada, we'd say kilometers, many thousands of kilometers away, <laughs> yes. miles yeah. away, whatever it is, wherever people, let me, everywhere, let me calculate whatever. what that means. Yeah. <laughs> yeah what, what's the conversion? Whatever. They're far away. They're never yeah. going to be able to physically attend your church. And yeah. frankly, there probably are other churches in their town. Good churches, yeah. but they say totally. that your church is their church. What do you yeah. do with that as a leader? Are, are you okay? Maybe you don't know yet. Are you, are you okay with that? So what does that mean? I'll, I'll process openly saying I'm in process. Yeah, so yeah, here's fair. what I think. So so personally, this is what happened to me recently because I was leaning towards we shouldn't engage social media. We should all get off to I think social media is a mechanism, a vehicle that God wants to use to reach people to now I, I'm seeing digital church, seeing digital communities going so much further than I could ever imagine. And and what I sense is this is like an Acts 8 moment where you have in the story of Acts 8, you have Philip going to Samaria and the whole city, one of the cities in Samaria is full of joy. Like people become Christian, they follow Jesus, they're healed. Now, a few chapters earlier in different stories in the gospel, you have the story of the apostles going to a city in Samaria, not, not being rejected and wanting to call down fire from heaven. And Jesus is like, wait, what's, you know, what's going on? But in Acts 8, the whole city is in like revival mode and they call the apostles to come. And so you have the apostles come and lay hands and the Holy Spirit comes, like the Holy Spirit falls and fills the church. And I feel like this is a moment where God spoke. He's like, this has been your Samaria. And he's like, I'm moving in Samaria. You got to bless it. And so if for me, I feel like I am getting released to recognize that there are people around the world that have wanted, that love the garden, that have been a part of our local church from afar as, as podcast listeners, as, you know, what travel and they, they carry us now and maybe ha or who have been a part of our church that moved and they haven't found the garden in their city for whatever reason. And what, whatever that is, I don't, you know, maybe it's a bad thing, but I'm saying maybe, you know, this is opening up for them to host a digital community, a house church where they can live stream in their homes when stay at home orders open, they can do church in their homes with community, invite family and friend, and just start being church, being a garden church where they are. Um, and yeah. so for us, the, the tagline we've been carrying is wherever you are, as it is in heaven, from in Long Beach, as it is in heaven to recognizing like, this is, God is doing something. You cannot deny. First of all, we need to say the pandemic, I don't hear this very often, is evil. Like this is not God's design. He did not cause it. Um, suffering is, is, sickness is evil. The collapse, all this stuff happening. Humans need to be together. Like this is a result of evil in the world. But God will use this pandemic for good. And I think he's using it for the good of the church to wake up to discipleship and wake up to who Jesus is. So anyways. That's my, those are my thoughts. It's good. I mean, there's there's some stuff. I don't know if we have time for it today because I want to talk about discipleship, but maybe yeah. this ties to it. But you know, in my own, you know, my my I did a master's in theology, and my focus was. I mean, it's why this podcast exists. The 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 thesis was all about word made digital. Like it's John one. I love that you started yeah. with that. This what do we do when the word becomes Eugene Peterson? The word becomes flesh and blood and moves into the neighborhood. Moves into but, the neighborhood. Come on. What do we do? Like what do we do when when the word becomes digital? When it becomes yeah. 
zeros and ones and moves yeah. onto my, my iPhone, you know, yeah. like what, what yeah. do we do with this? And it's the wrestle of this generation, this digital yes. age, um, and discipleship, you know, there's, there's things I'm curious about churches wrestling through things like, um, particularly some of, um, things like, uh, Eucharist or communion, yeah. the Lord's supper, yeah. whatever you call it. How do we do, how does it affect, because it's not just the pragmatic, it's the theology. So right. when theology starts to get messed up, it can't all 100%. be, well, we can do it. So we, and I hear what you're saying. You're saying your own wrestle with this, like, yes. uh, that we're, we haven't, and we have to live in the messiness of that, but how yeah. do you baptize someone, uh, <laughs> on the internet? You know, what do you I do? With I that? don't know. <laughs> I, I, we were talking about it. Like, do we, do we do like. Hey, have your spouse dunk you in the pool in your bathtub or like, like we, I don't know. I don't know how we're going to baptize social distance at the ocean. We're, we live near the ocean. Maybe when the ocean's open or beaches open up, we can do that. Um, but yeah, in Eucharist, like just this Sunday, we've been doing online for whatever it's been like six or seven weeks or eight. I don't remember how long, but we just did, um, the Lord's supper on Sunday and we said, you know, social media posts, get the elements and prepare. And we're talking through what it means. And so families with kids are taking elements and people are like, hey, this seems weird. And some people are like, I love it. And I'm like, I forgot to get elements for my family. And so my wife's like, and this is so, I don't know if this is condemnation on my soul, but like she melted <laughs> great popsicles because we didn't have juice or wine. Yeah, So we right. had gluten-free crackers and popsicle grape juice melted watered down in, you know, so, yeah. but I'm like, you know, I feel like churches throughout history have had to deal with this. Like, what do you, how do you baptize people when you're in a desert and there's no water? Like they started sprinkling. And so like, we just have to adapt and we're not accommodating to culture. We have to contextualize and adapt. And there's a new generation coming up that, that does not have the disconnect of digital and physical space. And lots of marketers and futurists are saying, is it fidgetal or what's the word? I think it's fidgetal. This idea that the physical and digital world will be, will be so inter integrated, which, um, which is strange, but we are living in a moment where, you know, 5g technology is going to come out. And I don't know if you, you, you know, if you've read about what that, that means there's protests. And then there's also like excitement about the advancement of healthcare and people are, you know, I listened to a Malcolm Gladwell podcast where he interviewed an AT&T VP about it. And he says, what you don't realize is your toothbrush will tell you that you have a cold when 5G technology comes out. And I'm like, okay, time out. This idea of like, oh, should we bring our sermons online is like so last century. <laughs> like, no, no, no. The world is moving this direction. Like, we're going to have to figure out what AI integration looks like and virtual reality looks like. That's like, we're already beyond, like the word has become digital and we got to think about what the future looks like to have a, have a, to reach the next generation and beyond. And I think most churches are afraid. Most, most people are like not engaged in that. I'm reading books about artificial intelligence and trying to understand how can that help with discipleship? How can it help with integration into community groups and things like that, you know? And I think we need not, not necessarily just hold everything at a distance, but um, in the same way that, you know, technology like a printing press or a steam engine that or uh, Morse code enabled communication to spread or, um, you know, I can FaceTime with friends that are in Australia and we and they, you know, my friend can record a sermon that can be used for Sunday. Like 
there's some good involved, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, and, and I think so often the church is behind, <laughs> yeah. uh, and you know, some of that's fear, some of that's maybe the politics, some of that's just money. Like some of yeah. the stuff we're talking about, if it's making a decision to go in a digital direction and you're not a multi-billion dollar organization, if you made the wrong pivot, yeah. you know, you lose everything on that yeah. bet. Uh, yeah. you know, on that technology bet to, I don't know, like, for example, you outfit a tech, you outfit your whole auditorium with, you know, a million, a few million dollars worth of stuff. And oh, now nobody can meet. Nobody can gather. <laughs> and I, I mean, that Isn't can that sink, you know, that can sink even the largest multi-million yeah. dollar, billion dollar company. So, I mean, I, I certainly have lots of grace for the church, but also want to keep pushing. So, yeah. So you talk about this word. I want to I want to pull into this discipleship stuff. You keep yeah. um, we keep sort of circling it, but I want to go yes. into it a little deeper now. Um, I'm the reason we started the call was really around digital church. I you know this yeah. is an, an online platform. There's Instagram there, but I, tell us a little bit about where what this thing is. But I want to talk about resilient disciples. What that means. Great. What that looks like. So let's go down that. Trail. Yeah, let's do it. So, um, I, for that season of being in the desert personally, 2019, I really felt like God was, was speaking about prepare to engage in the next generation on their turf, like through YouTube podcasts, find a way to go there and like get creative. Like think you can preach a sermon every week, but you can do a podcast or, you know, YouTube every day. So I started thinking about, okay, we got to move that direction. So let's have, let's, let's make content that's transforming lives, like transformational content, like teach people, train people in the way of Jesus. So that, that was always in the works. We've been working on this for a year. And then when the digital, when, when, um, we had to move our house churches to zoom that I, it was the first live streaming Sunday. And I heard, I literally was like, I'm going to buy digital church.life. So I bought the platform and I'm like, Let's build digital communities out. And all of a sudden we moved everything and it was like a hit with our church, our local church. I was like, this is going to be so much bigger. And what for me, what it is, is I, I believe that discipleship is a journey. It's a pathway. And I think we, we can talk about like Dallas Willard, which has for my view of discipleship, that we have to replace false narratives with true biblical narratives. We have to replace unintentional habits with spiritual practices or disciplines. And we have to do this in community. Um, over a long period of time with the power of the Holy Spirit. It's called the golden triangle. How we actually change is that process, that pathway, that form. So I've always known that so it takes teaching, it takes community, it takes habits and practices. It needs We need the Spirit. And so how do we do that without being physically together? So we, we fix the community part with digital communities. And then we're doing we're writing all this content for habits and practices and, and meaningful teaching that will help people. And so we put that all online through digital church, uh, church.live. And I just saw this as a platform for me. I feel like AA has been one of the best discipleship tools in the world, right? So you can go anywhere in the world. And you if like you are at Rock Anonymous, Bottom, AA. Yeah. 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 Like that tool, you go anywhere in the world and you'll find a decentralized tool to help anyone that's rock bottom experience transformation. If you take an inch if you get an inch or a day in sobriety, soon you'll be becoming a sponsor, like you're a disciple making a disciple. And the church has failed to make disciples. The church has failed to really go after teaching people the way of Jesus. We love talking about the Jesus truth. We love talking about the Jesus life, but we fail to live the Jesus way, to paraphrase Eugene Peterson. Um, and so for me, I, I, I think 
moving forward, the digital platform can, we're going to do a lot. I think everyone's doing content. Everyone's dropping content left and right. There's so much content, but very few people are helping form community around that content. So for me, I feel like digitalchurch.live is what I want to do is uh, what, what AAA has done for addiction. I want to do for the church. So I feel like I want to release a vibrant, decentralized discipleship tool that will empower people wherever they are, whatever stage of life, to live the way of Jesus and to find transformational content and community to help them. And that's what this is. And so that's what we call resilient disciples. And to answer your question, like resilient disciples has been a phrase we borrowed from Kinnaman's new book on faith. I wondered actually, um, yeah, I wondered if that yeah. was your inspiration for it. So he was interviewing. If people go back, they'll find an episode all about that book. Um, yeah, about resilient discipleship in the digital Babylon. In the digital Babylon, and I think it nails. I think everyone needs to read that book because it nails the next generation, young millennials and Gen Z. It also helps you refocus on what you can, what practices and characteristics will shape the future church. Um, and so one of the things I pulled out of there was that you need um, more content, better content for people to con- to integrate into their life if they're a resilient disciple. And for me, a resilient disciple is somebody who's learned to pattern their life in the way of Jesus. And so they're, they're pursuing God for the rest of their life. They've learned how to read scripture and they're learning how to read scripture to to live generously, to live in community. They're um, choosing to, to organize their life and their vocation around mission. Um, they're living naturally, supernatural, empowered by the Holy Spirit. They're hearing God's voice and they're obeying in their everyday life. Um, and they are, are walking that out, you know, in a local context or in an intentional community context. And so that's, that's and I think resilient is the future. We need to be resilient as disciples. Like, we just stopped meeting as a church on Sunday together. So if, if churches collapse because of it, we've lacked resilience that the church was fragile, unfortunately. Yeah. But I want to make well, sure that we're replicating. critique of millennials too, right? They, the, uh, the lack of resilience is one of the problems with our generation is yes. you come up against a difficulty or a hardship um, and you've not been developed in how to overcome. If there's a resistance, yes. you give up or you you fold in or you have an emotional breakdown or whatever. I mean, we all know about all the mental health issues and I'm not saying that's all to do with resilience. There's many other reasons for that, but, but yeah, I love, so I love the word. It's why it stood out to me in, in this stuff that you're developing. Um, so talk to us too about then this philosophy of discipleship, uh, that you hold. I know there's this, I think people would love to, to hear and be inspired by this group of men. I think it's men. Uh, that you yeah. do some of your own discipleship journey with, because we're kind of we're we're, we're dancing between this digital and yeah. analog world. So tell us yeah. about about how that shapes out. Because so, you're you're building this for others to build communities, but you have one yourself. Yeah. Well, so I I I believe that ministry doesn't exist outside of relationship, and that the meaning of life is relationships. I think you see it in the image of God, like the Trinitarian community of love. And then what we're designed to be as people is, you know, in, in intimate, loving relationships with one another. And so I have formed that philosophy of ministry in our church. So I have, I have covenant relationships in our, with our staff, some of our staff, I have a house church or digital community right now that we're walking out real authentic life together. And then in ministry, you know, I have friendships. So I would say like, I wouldn't call this 
I have a group of brothers who are all over the world that lead churches in Portland, San Francisco, Vancouver, New York, London, uh, San Diego, LA, uh, and Australia. And we, we, for the last five or six years, we, we, we came together to actually meet and hang out with Eugene Peterson. So we went to Eugene's house and we kind of formed, but we all had loosely connected relationships and it was so powerful because we're all lead pastors and, um, that are similar ages that we just said, let's do it every year. So we started getting together every year. And then what's come out of it is just deep friendship of wanting to be faithful in ministry over a long period of time and wanting to pursue Jesus in the philosophy of ministry. We all kind of hold loose, hold together, um, as churches. And so, we're, we're passionate about emotional health and, and that stuff. We're passionate about contextual ministry and incarnational ministry and the ministry of the Holy Spirit and being grounded biblically. And so there are things that held us together, and now it's just held together really by relationship. And so we we meet every year, but when COVID happened, we started texting regularly. So we're, you know, we're talking regularly and we speak at each other's churches and we just hold each other to a, a standard or a accountability that's needed in the church. I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of people listening who they don't have that. Um, Right. I think some of us have more um, of that richness of like brotherhood, sisterhood uh, than others. So, you know, what would, what would be like a starting point? Because I mean, you didn't know when you went to Eugene Peterson's, I I guess it sounds like it started and then kind of grew like, um, yeah. Maybe what what would be something like, oh, there was something about that group of people that made us want to keep doing this or like maybe something you're yeah. looking for. If you're trying to find those relationships around you, what would you say to somebody? Well, I think we live in a world of networking where there are all these groups that are networked because of like maybe common theology or maybe it's common tribe, like this tribe mentality. And I was a part of all these different different groups as a church planner, because I, I longed to belong to something. And there was a lack of authentic, meaningful relationship in all of those groups until this kind of group formed. Um, so I would say, do you have those one or two other pastors or leaders um, that that you feel a connection to and lead through vulnerability? Hey, I want ask them, hey, I would love to connect with you regularly. What would it look like for us to have a regular time where we could talk about real issues? and pray and connect and, and just find, so in other words, find your people, um, that you can do life with and doing life is like sharing your heart, sharing your struggles, sharing your resources, um, in and out of season, being there over a long period of time. It's not built on your convenience. Like Philippians two gives us the the architecture for, for a community through humility and looking at the interests of others. And so I think, start there. Like what's, who's the one or who's the, who are the two people? And then just bring them together and lead not out of, we need to be this thing, but lead vulnerably just saying, I would like to journey with other people. Mm-hmm. So that's what it was. It was like, we want to be friends in 30 years from now. Um, and that's what we've talked about. Like, let's be brothers 30 years from now so that we get to the end of ministry life or whatever that looks like going, well, we had friends throughout this whole time. Like let's do life as friends in different parts yeah. of the world. Yeah. I mean, I, I always, um, I feel the burden of that for, for others. I'm often in these, I have like a rich group of particularly women for me as a woman, it's, it's generally more women than men, but men too, but especially the women who are like rich, like 
sisters on the journey yeah. of ministry in life. You know, we talk all the like, you know, like we talk all the time uh, yeah. digitally these days because we yeah. can't ever see each other in per- and and we don't all live near each other. But yeah. but you know, when I hear people talk about how lonely ministry or just like life can be. And we know the epidemic of loneliness. It's why like you and I are connected through Alpha. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. what Alpha is trying to reach out to in terms of like eating together as part of their philosophy because people are so lonely. Um, but in the midst of that, there's this other friendship. The last thing I want to go to with you as we close is is the friendship, the community we have with the Holy Spirit. You know, even if we're yeah. alone. Um Certainly the Holy Spirit is in our communities of human community, but, but, uh, talk to me about the role of the Holy Spirit. Maybe your experience is, what are you seeing in the, in your life? I mean, it sounds like you have prophetic gifts. Uh, you know, I, I'm curious about the Holy Spirit in your life, but, but in the digital world that you're navigating right now, what's the Holy Spirit doing? Yeah. So, I mean, foundational conviction, my journey of church planning was also, First, discovering the Holy Spirit in an experiential way. I, I had a theological belief that uh, when I went to London to a church plant from HGB, I finally yeah, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I, there was a defining moment, 22 years old, changed my life. Wow. And then it led me to plant a church. And I wanted to plant a church where that became normal. And now it's become normal. It's taken years to make like the empowerment of the Spirit and the gifts a normal practice. But now moving into the digital world, yeah, that's one of the things that I miss um, about our gatherings. We will pause and have words of knowledge and prophetic words, and we'll we'll pray for healing. We've seen healing regularly um, in our gatherings and outside in our house churches and on the streets. We pray on the streets as well. Um, but we've used, we've tried to be the God church everywhere we go. And so, you know, we've had leadership Zoom meetings with like 75 leaders where someone would have a word of knowledge and we'll pray, and that person was healed over Zoom. Um, we do wow. every gathering, we will open up digital, uh, virtual prayer rooms, uh, through zoom. So every gathering we'll have, you know, uh, online, every live stream we'll have, um, we have multiple services online. We'll have pastors in our prayer team available for virtual prayer ministry online. So you go online, you go into the virtual meeting room and then you get uh, put into a room, uh, a digital room with somebody and that person will pray. There's been prophecy. There's been healing. There's been words of knowledge. There's been encouraged, like just the list goes on. And I'm getting lists from our digital communities about how they're prophesying over each other in their digital communities during their gather, during their, you know, time online. So it's all happening. It just has to be reframed. We have to be intentional and go for it, um, with things of the spirit. And I think more and more, because there is this like screen between us, there needs to be a little more space put into meetings. In, in my meetings, I'm beginning to slow down and just say, hey, let's wait on the Holy Spirit. Let's invite the Holy Spirit into these gatherings. I know you're in your home. I'm in my garage and I'm, I'm going to have my two-year-old run in in a second, but um, we're still creating space for the presence of God to minister. So I think it's still an option and the presence of God is here. We just aren't necessarily um, aware. So I would just say you know, if it's been a value of yours, just keep it as a value and keep looking for ways to practice. Um, and, and the other thing I started doing, I was just like, man, I'm going to start praying for, I, it's random. I don't know why I wasn't doing this before, but in my quiet time, I'll just do a voice memo. Uh, someone will pop up and I'm like, oh, I'm going to pray. I was, I was driving my, my kids to a friend's house to drop something off. And we we're just going to stand in the car and say, hi. And on our way, we prayed for like three people, you know, voice memo. And we're like, who should we pray for? My, my six-year-old's praying. I'm like, just want to encourage you. And like, so now it's like, why aren't we doing that for one each other and one another? It's just an easy tool. So 
Anyway, yeah. so that's all I have that's right so on good. that. I mean, and that's so practical. Like, I love when we can get that kind of stuff on this podcast too. Like, hey, like if you're praying for someone, why not record it on your phone and send it to them so that yes. they know you prayed for them? Because so, I mean, yeah. it's a classic thing. Oh yeah, I'm praying for you. Like, oh, I'll pray for that. But like, are you actually? I try to be um, really careful about that. If I say I'm praying for someone, I, I usually say I'm pr- I'm going to stop and pray right now because I don't know yeah. if I'm going to remember to pray for that person with that need two days from now because it might be one yeah. of many, many needs. But if I, yep. if I say I'm going to pray, what I mean is I'm stopping now to pray now because otherwise we forget. Yes. <laughs> but this tangible, like just recording it and, and whether it's for yourself or to share, that's, yeah, that's really meaningful. Hey, you know, we got to wrap this up, but... Uh, where are people, people are going to want to find more. They're probably going to want to find your teaching or, I mean, this digital church stuff. So wh- yeah. where do you want to send people on the interweb? So, well, there's right now the two garden.church is the website for, you can get all of that stuff, garden.church and then, um, digitalchurch.live, which is being built out. And, um, yeah, so garden.church and digitalchurch.live, uh, there's two podcasts, you know, you'll find them there and, um, yeah, any way we can serve people who are interested, we have a team that's helping other churches figure this stuff out too. So happy to help awesome. connect any of your listeners. So awesome. yeah, and, thanks and for hanging may, out. This is great. Um, just one more thing, as you'd mentioned, because people, if they want to go look for that series you did in the fall, that was about the future of the church. What can you tell us? Pre- what it's it called, called pre- so you can find? present future church and present yeah, future present future church. church. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to redo it as a podcast, uh, soon because I, it's just, I think present future church in view of COVID-19, I mean, the world has changed and we need to look towards what the future looks like um, now. So, which is what you're already doing. So I'm thankful for what you're doing. This is so great. Uh, Darren, I'm so glad to to meet uh, at last. It feels like, because we've been sort of, passing each other in similar circles we maybe even were supposed to be this week in the uk at the same times at the same event so i'm glad to meet i'm really encouraged by by your focus on discipleship um as as a digital native you know moving between digital and analog you do it really fluidly and i think it there's lots for people to learn and certainly lots for church leaders to learn from, from what you're doing. And, and so I want people to find you. I want people to find your resources. So thanks Thank so, much. so much. It's been a great conversation. Thank you so much. What a gift. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks so much to Darren for joining us on the pod. Uh, love building a new friendship with him and just finding so much um, to talk about in this digital space around discipleship. I think uh, you're going to want to check him out. Of course, we'll link it all in the show notes. Next up, next week on the podcast, Jonathan Merritt. Do you know Jonathan Merritt? He's a journalist. He's an author. And we're going to be talking about um, a book that I've been wanting to talk to him about for a long time. So I'm pumped. It's called Learning to Speak God from Scratch. You're going to love this conversation with Jonathan Merritt. Just a wise thoughtful voice, some thoughts you've not heard before. So thanks again to Compassion and Wycliffe sponsors of this podcast. Again, don't forget that this amazing event's coming up with Compassion Unite to Fight Poverty on August 28th. There's going to be a lineup of every one of your favorite Christian worship artists and some speakers and all that stuff. So we don't want you to miss it. These uh, organizations partnering together to fight what is now a half a billion people at risk of extreme poverty because of COVID-19 and its after effects. So There's a lot we can do. 
um, there's certainly more we can do than we're doing. So I would encourage you to do that. And hey, also, of course, Wycliffe College, check it out, wycliffecollege.ca slash digital. If you're thinking about taking some learning on this fall and into the winter. Finally, Digital Church Facebook group. I want to see you there. All right, catch you in the next episode with Jonathan Merritt. Thanks for listening to the Word Made Digital podcast with Joanna LaFleur. If you like this content, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Rate it and share this episode with your friends. Head over to wordmadedigital.com for more free tools and helpful content for creatives and communicators. We love helping you communicate the best news in the world. 